0: A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanirajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala wa sallama ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Sayyidina wa Sanadina wa Habibina wa Shafi'ina wa Mawlana sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhuriyatihi wa ahli baytihi wa mintabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yomid wa ba'd We continue with our uh, reading from the Warathul Anbiya of Ibn Rajab al-Hambali, the heirs of the Prophets, translated by Imam Zayd, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect him and give him long life. Uh, we left off uh, on the cusp of reading a, uh, a hadith narrated by Tirmidhi, uh, by Jubair bin Nufair on the authority of Abu Darda Radiallahu anhum, anhuma who said, we were with the Prophet and he said, there will be a time when knowledge will be snatched from the people until they will be unable to benefit from it. Ziyad bin Lubayd said, O Messenger of Allah, how will Allah seize knowledge from us when we recite the Qur'an? I swear by Allah, we recite it and teach it to our women and children. He said, may your mother be bereaved of you, Ziyad. I used to consider you one of the learned people of Medina. The Torah and the Gospels are with the Jews and the Christians, yet do do they benefit from them in any way? Jubair bin Nufair said, I met Uba'dah bin Samit and said to him, Will you not listen to what Abu Darda' is saying? I then informed him of what he said concerning the loss of knowledge. He said Abu Darda' has spoken truthfully. If you wish, I will inform you of the first knowledge to be removed from the people. It is humility. Khushu'ah. You will enter the central masjid and hardly find a single humble person. Nasa'i relates a similar hadith from Jubair bin Nufair on the authority of Auf bin Malik radiyallahu anhu from the Prophet sallallahu He says in this hadith, the Prophet sallallahu mentioned the straying of the Jews and the Christians despite their possessing scripture. Jubair bin Nufair also relates, I met Shaddad bin Aus and I informed him of the hadith of Auf bin Malik radhiallahu anhu. Uh, he said he has spoken the truth He said he has spoken the truth Shall I not uh, inform you about the first Occurrence of the lifting of knowledge He said humility will be lifted To the point where you will not see a single humble person And this is uh, This is something really uh, uh, Striking and it's something uh, Very important to take note of And it's something um, that The wise person will take heed of And uh, you know, protect themselves. That the prelude to knowledge being taken away is the uh, taking away of humility, uh, and this is something always uh, that was told to me by all of my mashaikh and teachers. And it, it makes sense. It's intuitive that as long as a person thinks they know, uh, uh, they'll they'll you know the door of understanding will be closed to them. As long as a person thinks that they don't know, or feels like there's something that they don't know. The door of increasing in knowledge will always be open and that person will continue to uh, ascend higher and higher in their uh, rank of knowledge. And once a person thinks they know, they shut the door and they preclude any possibility of of increase in their knowledge or in, in their understanding. Uh, this is the case not only in uh, you know the branches of Islamic learning that have to do with revelation, uh, but in 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 all of the uh, branches of learning uh, in general. That as soon as a person thinks they know, they close the doors to listening to anybody else and thinking about anything anyone else has to say in any meaningful way, and uh, it's 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 highly problematic. Uh, the Prophet sallallahu himself says that. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says that uh, you know, uh, وإعجاب, uh, That when you come to a time where you see uh, greed or avarice, uh, that is obeyed. Obviously, everybody has some greed, you know, like you may see me all bearded and turned out, you know, at some pious function or another, but uh, I like money just like you like money. I like the beautiful things of life, um, just like you like the beautiful things of life. I like nice houses. I like other things that are not even appropriate to mention, just like you like those things that are not appropriate to mention. However, the thing is this, is that do you obey that, that, uh, that desire? Does it? You know, is it a guiding principle that 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 makes you uh, make choices uh, frequently and big, significant, and major choices in your life? Um, and and that's the thing is that like nobody, there was nobody that didn't have enoughs. Everybody, to some degree or another, is attracted to these types of things. And many times there are some people who, in a natural sense, aren't attracted to these types of things, and they rarely make good leaders. Why? Because they don't sympathize with others. Uh, and they don't see where other people are coming from and other people don't see where they're coming from. And that lack of ability to, uh, you know, I guess, uh, uh, understand and, and uh, um, that lack of ability to uh, sympathize and empathize with people, uh, um, that's, that's, that's problematic because it doesn't allow you to understand what motivates people and uh, how to give them solutions for the particular problems they're dealing with in life. And so we see that uh, generally, uh, uh, generally, such people have a very saintly role, and perhaps you know you go to them and ask them to make du'a uh, for you, and uh, you know you feel good in their presence. But they rarely will be able to give you some sort of practical uh, advice with regards to your everyday life. Whereas those people who go through the same thing that you do, you can uh, sympathize, you can uh, see yourself in them. And uh, you can take their example as an example for you. That's why Allah Ta'ala sent a human as a prophet rather than an angel. Uh, because you're not going to be able to relate to an angel, but uh, a human you can relate to. So, <speaking in Hebrew> And people when they ob- when they follow their vain desires and when everybody is... Impressed with their own opinion Meaning what? Humility is gone At that point the Prophet ﷺ mentions That the good is gone from the people uh, You should just Just be concerned with your own little old self I don't know any uh, A better way of Of translating that Just be Just be You know Just watch over and You know uh, Protect your own little self And amrul uh, awam And leave uh, You know Don't worry about the Don't worry about you know Fixing society Because at that point You're not You're not going to be able to do it And to obsess about those things You're not able to do Will uh, Only be at the detriment Of those things That you are able to do They're not going to It's not going to You know just worrying about it Doesn't mean that you're actually Going to be able to do anything about it And uh, this doesn't By the way uh, This doesn't uh, Clash with the uh, With the hadith Of the Prophet Sallallahu That the first Knowledge that will be Taken away from people Is the knowledge of inheritance uh, this is in fact a precursor of that That you'll see people who are arrogant But they'll know how to divide in a state um, uh, But because of the arrogance The people will stop learning uh, uh, And they will pay less and less attention To what came from before And so you'll have a bunch of know-it-alls That love to give the Jummah khutbah or whatever But if you ask them to divide in a state They have no idea uh, You know, They're left from their right um, And these things, they, they come together Imam Ahmad relates a hadith In which Ziyad bin Lubayd mentioned something whereupon the Prophet ﷺ said, that will be in the time that knowledge is gone. Ziyad mentioned this hadith and said, do not the Jews and Christians read the Torah and the Gospel without acting on it in any way? In this version of the hadith, Ziyad did not mention the ensuing events contained a longer conversation. All of these narrations relate that the departure of knowledge resides in the failure to act on it. The companions, رضي الله Explain that the reason for this is the passing of inner knowledge from the hearts, and with inner knowledge referring to humility. In this vein, the radiallahu anhu relates, surely humility will be the first knowledge to be lifted. This is also, I mean, by the way, this is a reason, you know, people, many people like to listen to this majlis at night. Why? Because the first couple of years that we did it, um, in fact, all the years, past years, you know, it's been kind of a more tasawwafi theme And they like to hear Oliya stories, and so do I We all should, we all like to hear the Oliya stories Because, you know, in the dhikr salihin, tanazil al-rahamat That when the righteous are mentioned um, uh, Mercy, uh, Allah's mercies descend uh, And, uh, you know, but you know, this, this uh, uh, knowledge, this ilm which engages the mind um, it's very closely paired with the tasawuf that engages the heart, and you'll see, you know, there, there's a holistic Islam is a holistic system. Um, it combines between spiritual and physical, inward and outward, and uh, when one of the those elements, you know, starts to flag, it's going to drop, drop and drag all of the rest of uh, all of the rest of them. So you see how humility, which is generally considered a sufic virtue um it actually drags on a person's ilm and drags on their their knowledge so this is these things are not completely unrelated although i agree uh, listening to the stories of the miracles of the saints is a little bit easier to digest but it may not be quite the order of the day and inshallah we'll have a little bit of that peppered and interdispersed within this majlis as well inshallah chapter 3 knowledge of the tongue and the heart Sacred knowledge, says Imam al-Hasan al-Basri, is of two types. Knowledge of the tongue, which is the proof of Allah against the son of Adam, and knowledge of the heart, which is beneficial knowledge. Hassan attributes this narration to the Prophet ﷺ as Ibn Mas'ud relates in Sahih Muslim. The people will recite the Qur'an and it may fail even to go uh, past their clavicles, and their collarbones. Whereas if it reaches their hearts and becomes rooted therein, it will be of tremendous benefit. Uh, In this manner does beneficial knowledge touch the heart and impress upon it uh, experiential knowledge of Allah, awareness of his uh, sublimity and humility toward him. It bestows upon the heart exaltation, glorification, and love for Allah. When these characteristics settle into the heart, it is humbled, and the limbs similarly affected then follow in humility. As is related in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ used to say, I seek refuge in Allah from knowledge which is of no benefit and from a heart which is not humble. Subhanallah. Uh, we'll repeat that. As is related in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ used to say, I seek refuge in Allah from knowledge that has no benefit uh, 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 and from a heart which is not humble. This indicates that knowledge which fosters no humility is of no benefit. It is related that the Prophet ﷺ used to ask Allah for beneficial knowledge. In another hadith, he used to say, Ask Allah for beneficial knowledge and seek refuge in him against knowledge of which there is no benefit. As for knowledge of the tongue, it is a proof of Allah against the people. The Prophet ﷺ said, The Qur'an is a proof of Allah for you or against you. When inner knowledge departs, outer knowledge remains on people's tongues as a proof against them. This knowledge then leaves the possession of the scholars. Nothing then remains of the religion except for its name, and nothing of the Qur'an except for its script. And as for the Qur'an, it will remain in the books containing it. Uh, then at the end of time, it will be raised from the books, and nothing will remain in the books nor in the hearts. Scholars who categorize knowledge divide it into outer, inner and outer knowledge. Inner knowledge is that which touches the hearts and instills in them fear, humility, awareness of Allah's sublimity, exaltation, love, intimacy and yearning. Outer knowledge is that knowledge which remains on the tongue as a means for establishing the proof of Allah against people. Wahb bin Munabbih wrote Makhul, rahimahumullah. Surely you are a man who has attained the outer knowledge of Islam and thereby gained honor. So seek the inner knowledge of Islam and gain the love of Allah and nearness to him. Another version relates that he wrote, Because of your outer knowledge you have gained status and honor with the people. So seek inner knowledge and seek status with Allah and nearness to Him. You should know that each of these are separate stations. Wahhab indicated that outer knowledge is the knowledge of religious verdicts and legal rulings, and the lawful and the unlawful, stories and admonitions, that which the tongue manifests. This knowledge gives its possessor love and veneration. In his letter, Wahab warns against stopping at what people give out and thus becoming spiritually stagnant and trapped into seeking people's love and glorification. SubhanAllah. Retweets and likes. YouTube hits. YouTube followers. People, a stadium packed with people in honor area. Uh, Jummah, khutbas, etc. This knowledge gives its possessor love and veneration. In his letter, Wahab warns against stopping at what people give out and thus becoming spiritually stagnant and trapped into seeking people's love and glorification. Allah Ta'ala free us from this trap. It's a disgusting trap. One who stops at this has been cut off from Allah, and deluded by people from pursuing Allah's pleasure. By inner knowledge, he means that knowledge which touches the hearts and instills fear, exaltation, and glorification. Wahab urges him to use that knowledge to seek the love of Allah and his nearness. So there's, I mean, look. The the point of this is not only uh, not only that we wish to see some sort of increase in, in piety. Uh, there is a, a, a an innate connection between the life of the heart and between the life of the mind. Uh, the the heart, when certain parts of it die, uh, a person's uh, you know the information that they learn, it no longer is considered knowledge according to the definition of our aslaf. And what do I mean by that? Uh, you know the the word knowledge, the word ilm, it has a definition that our forebears understood uh, maybe differently than what we uh, think about when we say knowledge, for example, in the English language, or even for that matter, ilm. Uh, but in the like the modern uh, in the modern context, so I have like for example, a, a MSA friend uh, who, who's from an Arab country and he did a PhD in computer science. And so I saw like, mashallah, he got appointed to, appointed to like a university position in his home country. And like in his, in his, uh, uh you know, the interview that they put on whatever on YouTube or whatever, uh, um, the, you know, they, they ask him like, you know, what type of scholar are you? He says, he says, Ana a'tab- Ana uh uh min you know you know uh, i i i'm considered one of the ulama of such and such ilm and i think it was like computer science or something like that and so computer science isn't an ilm in that sense uh, uh in the in the sense that was uh the definition of our salaf uh that sense of knowledge was defined by malik rahimahullah that knowledge is a light in the heart uh, uh, of the slave that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, guides him to something good through. That that knowledge is a light inside of the heart that a person receives some discernment about something. So you may have two people who, for example, learn physics. And one person, their knowledge of physics may uh, lead them to work on the Manhattan Project and uh, uh, you know, build the atom bomb. And the second person if that knowledge of physics enters his heart as a light, um, it makes him understand why building an atom bomb is a a dumb idea. Uh, If you understand what I'm saying, that there are two different things that that, that the ilm that we talk about is something that is a deep and penetrating insight into some sort of reality and ability to take this information and plug it into the larger system and understand something uh, more profound uh, about existence uh, and about a person's uh, role in the universe rather than just being able to plug and chug and like, you know, figure certain things out. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the the issue is this, is that, uh, you know, this uh, idea of just getting that surface level information, those maalumat, those inter, in, individual data points, what they receive, what they call in, in, in you know, in our tradition, katharatul riwayat or katharatul masail, you know, uh, 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 amassing Uh, um, large numbers of narrations or large numbers of uh, uh, the answers to large numbers of questions, for example, Um, this in and of itself is not necessarily useful for a person. And so that's what, that's what they're talking about. They're saying that if the heart is not because the heart is where the the fruit of the knowledge comes. And if like, for example, if a farmer plants the seeds in the ground and waters the, the plants and sees them grow, uh, and he does the entire pro- pro- you know the entire process but at the end of it there's no fruit for him to harvest the entire process is essentially a waste of time and so the fruit of the fruit of knowledge is harvested where inside the heart that it's har- harvested in the heart meaning that it's an, a light a nur that appears inside of the heart that that gives discernment to uh, to the slave this is what the Prophet وسلم, and the uh, uh, sahaba kiram and the uh, 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 aslaf in general tabi'in taba Tabi'een rahimahumullah tabaarak ta'ala anhum this is what they sought when they when they look for knowledge and so the idea is that the mind can be spry nimble but if the heart is dead then uh, the, the whole process is missing you know a, a very important point uh, and, uh, that that's a critical failure. Whereas if the heart is alive, then that information will be plugged in or can be at any rate plugged in, uh, in a way that's beneficial for a person. And this is one of the things I feel very lucky. I feel very fortunate, you know, uh, in the sense that I, you know, I had these people in my life. Uh, that, that taught me and showed me the way and explained these things to me. And, uh, you know, they did it in such a sweet way that it made sense to me. And I see not everybody has that, you know, not everybody has that. That I was told, look, that the, 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 you know, when going to seek knowledge, I was told that the actual teacher is Allah. Allah is the one who gives you the knowledge. So keep a good, you know, relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then when you go through the outward form of seeking the knowledge, Um, Allah Ta'ala will make it enter uh, into your heart with ease And I don't claim any sort of high rank with knowledge Or any rank with knowledge anyway But this uh, point always, you know, it made sense to me And I see that there are certain people who ignore uh, this concept And they do so uh, really at their own peril uh, Which is what? Which is that if the the fruit of knowledge is going to be reaped inside the heart, if you're not concerned with your heart, and you're not thinking about your heart, and you're not taking care of your heart, uh, you know the knowledge is is, is not it's not really going to go anywhere. And it's interesting. I remember in the Near Eastern department, the NELC department, when I when I when I used to take classes there, the word piety was like uh, kind of like a uh, like it was dismissed kind of like as a joke. Uh, it was dismissed kind of like as a joke that this is you know this section of this book is just piety and this statement is just piety and that thing is just piety and the funny thing is it has to do with doxologies and creeds that are are mentioned in the beginning and uh, at the ends of works or or interdispersed within works and uh those are like literally the usul that the, the entire ilm is based on without it without having those mafahim those you know uh, foundational uh, um uh, those foundational concepts that uh, uh you know kind of guide and uh dictate how things are supposed to be understood um, none of it makes sense even the conversation becomes ludicrous because if you're not you know doing it for the sake of allah then uh, you know a conversation about you know what the uh, you know spiritual benefits of like tashahud and salat is it's kind of a dumb it's kind of a dumb thing to be uh, you know conversing about and if you don't have that humility, you're not going to find the motivation in order to study properly. You're not going to find the motivation in order to uh, repeat or in order to uh, find rusuch uh, uh, in in your in your in your uh, lessons, uh, firmness in your lessons. And even if you memorize the books uh, uh, by rote, and even if you can understand and you can repeat the masail. Uh, there is an entire deeper, uh, uh, I guess, experiential uh, uh, benefit from that knowledge that you'll always be denied because you don't. You know, it's not. It's not. It's not something that you you take seriously, and so that's one of the reasons I feel like that's one of the reasons that that uh, uh, you know it's hard to find a good Arabic instructor in Western academia. Because they never, I mean, it's not sacred to them. It's not important enough to be sacred to them. I was sitting at a table once with uh, uh, with uh, Sheikh Abdul Hakim from Cambridge. Uh, uh, those types of uh, tables I don't sit at very often. Uh, but it was, mashallah, it was it was very beneficial. I tried to shut up as much as I could and, you know, see maybe I learned something. Someone else at the table asked, why is it that you think that, uh, you know, that like American... Orientalism is just not as robust as the old, you know, colonial era Orientalism, uh, you know, of people like, uh, you know, people like uh, Nicholson, Reynolds Nicholson and Arbery and, you know, these types of people. How come, how come, you know, the the, the new school colonial, uh, sorry, not colonial, the new school uh, Orientalism is very weak sauce compared to that, you know, you see, like, look at look at uh, Nicholson's translation of the Masnavi or look at Nicholson's translation of the Kashf mahjub um, this is like this is like really high class, very high caliber work. Um, it's really, it's really like you can tell a person uh, put in like exacting a lot of effort and exacting uh, work into uh, making sure that you know what they did was of the highest standard. So how come we don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of works like that nowadays? And uh, Sheikh Abdul Hakim he mentioned something really interesting. He said, "Look, he goes, those people in their own screwed up way they were doing it for the sake of Allah." They were actively part of the colonial project, and they thought that the, you know their mastery of uh, their skill in these fields was going to be, you know, uh, dedicated to servicing the colonial cause, which is what, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the like, savage heathen masses. And so they did it for the sake of Allah. That's why they found the motivation to do what? uh to put in an amount of effort into it that you know otherwise you don't otherwise you know it's it's you know who's going who is going to sit and memorize surf charts and who's going to like bother to know you know how is it like you know shaddi by yashrabu or sharabu yashrabu or whatever um who's going to take the time to be exacting about any of those things uh, and it's really interesting because I, I mean I went through the nuc departments and I saw people you know like one professor he's like it's impossible for somebody to read a text with proper arab I say you are is he, are you joking he's like I don't think that I think arab is just there in the Quran and that's why it's considered so eloquent maybe in some poetry but no one ever really spoke like that it's po- impossible to do it on the fly so uh i was like well bring a text out and i'll just read it for you and i read it for him and i i was cognizant that i made several mistakes in reading but i guess it passed him by like it wowed him so much he was like oh that's really good he goes you have like some supernatural phenomenal uh ability or whatever and uh, that was before i went to madrasa mashallah uh uh, if i ever read like that in front of one of my (laughs) madrasa uh um you know they were very good because they knew he's he's older and you know he's He's like a poor American kid who's never gonna like be able to read properly. But if I was a Pakistani kid and I read like that in front of one of the asatas, I'd probably get a shoe thrown at me. But, uh, uh, you know, who's gonna put in all that effort? You know, who's gonna humble themselves if they don't think the ilm has anything to benefit them? Who's gonna uh, put in the effort and try to learn something? And so, you see, this thing that people have already dismissed uh, what's in the books and what the ulama have to say. And this is a, a kind of a, uh, you know, just to kind of close. Uh, because it is the uh, 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 it is the uh, the end of the chapter um, This is something de- depressingly I, I actually see a lot of students of knowledge doing Which is what? For example, someone who is anti-Kalam The person will say Oh well, you know, the books of the Maturidis And the books of the, the Asha'ira are filled with like, you know, like bidah, And I'm like, like what? I'm like, I'm not even saying you're wrong I'm just saying like what? You know, it's like Greek philosophy and this and that I'm like, like what? You know, it's just well known. Everybody says it. I'm like, yeah. But give me an example. And uh, they're like, well, you know, sheikh so and so talks about it. And she- I just ask you who talks about it. I said, give me an example. And uh, almost always, what is it? It's someone talking about an entire genre of books that they've never read. And I'm like, look, if you don't want Hana- to be a Maturidi, you don't want to be a Maturidi, you don't want to be an ashari, knock yourself out. You know, there are many great Mashaikh that were uh, not only not people of schools of Kalam, but they're anti Kalam As far as I can tell a great number of the early Maliki Mashaikh were anti Kalam Uh, um, and that changes uh, that changes at a particular uh, Incident that occurs in, uh, in in the history of Al-Maghrib al-Arabi in Andalus. Otherwise before that, I don't think the the, the western lands were You know, super, uh, Kalam friendly And, uh you know even the mashaykh of the tariqah, many of them were anti kalam right so you see you see the uh, uh, ibn al-muqayyim's madarij al salikin is a sharh uh, 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 of Sheikh khaja ismail harawi his manazil al sairin he was a sheikh of Hanab, the hanabila in afghanistan it was a very different time i guess but he was the sheikh of the hanabila in uh, the area that's now called afghanistan in the city of herat and uh, uh, he his name appears in the shajarah of the naqshbandis um, that's how like you know important of a, a person he is in the history of tasawwuf and his ash'ar are beautiful and uh, like you know he's he's a man of god And he completely, he's like so anti, like, so like vitriolically almost anti-Kalam that, uh, 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 you know, that it's like, it's almost breathtaking. Like a person has to wonder, maybe somebody has, uh, you know, like, uh, like what's going on here at any rate? I don't want to conjecture because I'm going to slip over into doing something that I accuse other people of doing right now. But the point is, is what, I don't have a problem with you being anti-kalam, but you should be anti-kalam based on like reading books, you know, should read a book, say this issue, you know, the technique of this issue is this, that and the other thing. If you take, you know, kalam as an example, if you take kalam like so, it's so unimportant, it has so little value in your eyes that you can dismiss it offhand without even asking it, you know, like its side of the story, if it was a person. You can dismiss what it is without even reading its books. It's like, imagine someone comes to you and uh, 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 they're you know, uh, there's somebody who, I don't know, uh, uh, stabbed someone on the street corner and they're looking for who the person who stabbed the person. And you see someone, you come across the person, their shirt is bloodied and they're like, I didn't do it. You just don't listen. You're like, what? You're obviously guilty. Um, that, you know, that's, that's what You don't really value what that, that, that thing has to say You're obviously never going to know What the other side of the story is And this is very interesting Even in legal cases The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said what? I remember it's a hadith of the Prophet I was amazed by it when I read it in, 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 in madrasa He said that the Prophet وسلم, said Always listen to the other side of the story Even if a person comes to you With one eye missing And their eye is in their hand and says so, so-and-so knocked this, my eye out of my head. Still go and, and listen to that other person's side of the story. Why? Because that person may have both of his eyes in his hand. Uh, and this is, I mean, there's a lot of depth and a lot of hikmah. If you already written someone off or already written something off, you've written off a class of people, you've written off a subject, you've written off, if you've already written something off completely, you have not enough respect for Uh, For that book or for that person or for that, uh, uh, you know, class of of ulama or for anything, whatever it is, or as a as a a madrasa graduate, you you don't have that much respect for, uh, you know, any book of modern learning or whatever, whatever direction you're looking for, whatever trajectory, trajectory you're going from and whatever trajectory. Your destination, you're going to. If you don't have enough, uh, if you don't have enough respect for, uh, you know, an opposing point of view, that you can't even bother to try to understand it, then you should back off and just say, "I don't know anything about this thing, and I consider this thing to be a waste of time." And recognize that your impatience and your uh, lack of uh, uh, respect for the fact that a person has a different uh, point of view blinds you, because it's a type of arrogance, you've written someone off, you don't have he- enough humility even to listen to what the other person has to say, you should accept the fact that your arrogance blinds you from being an impartial judge in that issue, and just leave commenting about those things to those people who have the time and the patience to read and try to understand what the other point of view is, and then on the heels of it, they, if they wish to, if they think there's a, re- a need to refute or to correct or to say this is wrong or this is right, then they can do so. But uh, unfortunately, many of those people are saying, oh, look, the mullahs are going to kill everybody. Maybe in this case, the fatwa, the mullahs really are going to kill everybody. Who knows? You know, who knows? Allah knows best, right? But many of those people, those are the same type of people. They heard somebody at a a dinner party somewhere say that, oh, you know, I heard that Imam Ghazali was, you know, against the Mu'tazila. And the Mu'tazila were really rational people. And therefore, because of Imam Ghazali, the Muslims don't study science, you know, for another like whatever thousand years. Those type of weirdos, you know, that just write off everything without bothering to, you know, uh, understand or explore, uh, uh, you know, the thing that they're writing off. Uh, that's problematic, and by necessity, they'll never learn anything about the deen. Just like if, uh, you know, if you had a a circle of, you know, a circle of, like, I don't know, Arabic philologists or grammarians, and like, aqidah experts, and like, you know, fuqaha of like, you know, whatever, the Shafi'i school or the Maliki school or whatever, and they sit around and convince each other that like every... Uh, vaccine is just a uh, you know conspiracy against the Muslims in order to make every Muslim impotent or whatever. I don't know, you know. Uh, there, it's completely ludicrous. It's fine if you actually think that that's a possibility. Go. You know learn learn math through calculus go learn biology go learn chemistry go learn physics go learn immunology learn how vaccines work see what's inside the vaccine go see you know like is there like a double blind test that will show that like what's in that vaccine who knows maybe it is actually true it's making everybody impotent or giving everyone autism or god knows what if you're not going to actually bother to figure all of that out then to speak uh, as if you have a definitive opinion on something is, uh, is, is is highly problematic. And that's one of the problems with you know people getting all of their information from YouTube and from Facebook and from Twitter, from the echo chamber of people who agree with them in which there's no actual inquiry, there's no teaching or learning, there's no vetting of ideas, there's no humility. Because if you're humble, you can sit in front of somebody who disagrees with you or who's going to uh, scrutinize what you have to say and poke holes in it and if you just sit around with people who agree with you all the time, and the, just you know, uh, uh, you know, share memes about stuff that you mock, uh, uh, without actually uh, uh, you know uh, being subjected to scrutiny in the way you th- think or the way you talk or what you've read or or or, or uh, you know what your conclusions are, then obviously you're not gonna you're not gonna go anywhere. And that works for everything. That works for fiqh as well as akida as well as hadith as well as uh, uh, a tafsir, and it works just as well for it works just as well for physics and math and uh, zoology and uh, all these other types of things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us humility. And that's why a person inshallah on these Mubarak nights, pray your 20 raka'ahs of taraweeh. Read your Quran as much as you can. Sit in front of Allah ta'ala and say Allah, Allah, La ilaha illallah. Abandon lying, abandon cheating, abandon your, your dushmani, your adawa, your enmity for other people. You know, forgive one another. Why? So that the heart can become polished and clean. It can become humbled, so that the doors of understanding should open up for them. Even if you're an immunologist, even if you're a a microbiologist, or a chemist, or a doctor, an engineer, or, uh, uh, you know, someone of one of the quote unquote worldly sciences. The world was created by Allah. It's also, in that sense, has some connection to the divine. All of these branches of learning, through the humility, Allah Ta'ala will allow you to understand those things that you weren't able to understand from before. Allah Ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala. Wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.